0: Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sanjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjog All.
1: About the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTRLive, and look for the show as hashtag Leadership. Today's topic is The Sixth Sense of Leadership, and our guest for today's show is Frank Wander, who's the author, former CIO, and the founder of People Productive, LLC. Good morning, Frank. How are you? Sanjo, good morning. How are you? Oh, life could not be better. How are things with you? You know, things have been going
2: very, very well. Uh, Really enjoying uh, the new business a lot. Uh, I think the uh, timing has been perfect, actually, because people want to build productivity and innovation. So, yeah, I'm feeling good about things.
1: Great. Now you've been a, you are a leader, and you've been a CIO, and now you're helping organizations uh, from a people standpoint. And what we wanted to do today is to explore an idea we're calling the sixth sense of leadership. It's basically like a special sauce that might help certain leaders to be successful and uh, help them separate them from, uh, help them by separating them from the rest. Now we feel that it's about being able to offer direction and vision beyond what is said or immediately needed of the team. And you're able to perhaps figure out what they say. Uh, Of course, their their needs are based on what they say as well as what they don't say. So is, is that sixth sense something special? Uh, Is that something people are able to, uh, it's a nature versus a nurture thing. We wanted to explore all of that. So, to, to, to begin with, what is your take on this term, sixth sense, when it comes in the context of, it's used in the context of leadership?
2: Yes, yeah, joke. you always run a great show, and this is actually a great topic. I love it. Uh, you know, a sixth sense, uh, people talk about it all the time. It's very obvious that, you know, seeing, hearing, feeling, smelling, and tasting are the five main senses. But when you get to the sixth sense, you're really talking about the difference between the conscious and the unconscious mind. Um, And when you start to talk about the unconscious mind, you're talking about a tool that is so incredibly powerful, and actually based on research, they estimate that the conscious mind processes information at about 2,000 bits a second, whereas the subconscious is processing around 40 million bits of information a second. It is vastly different. Uh, it is taking in so many perceptions in the environment that you're not consciously aware of, which is why subliminal marketing and other things actually do work. You remember that famous experiment where they had, um, you know, they're running a movie, 24 frames per second, and one of every 24 frames was a glass of uh, cold, you know, sweaty Coca-Cola, and people would all get up and eventually run and want a Coca-Cola. Um, so all of this information is, is really coming into the subconscious mind. So it's the seen versus the unseen. And um, I would say that there's two primary things that leaders have uh, in the sixth sense that can help them really lead and move forward. One is abstraction. Probably about 5% of the population is really good at abstraction. And that's the ability to kind of abstract a picture out of a set of variables. You know, humans evolved to uh, perhaps, you know, spot a dangerous animal in the wild grass where it would blend in, but you would be able to make sense of it. Well, today in the modern world, that ability to abstract that picture out of uh, out of these environment variables gives you the ability to take in a lot of information and basically establish a, a, a strategy because you could see where things are going. You could put those pieces together. And in a sense, you know, the ability to do that is somewhat of a gift, but... Um, you know, people do have, all people have some level of abstraction. There's also social intelligence. It's all of these kind of social cues and other things that are going on. Much of uh, human interaction is really all these nonverbal cues. Humans didn't evolve speech until some point very late in the Revolution. So much of the communication was nonverbal. The brain, uh, the subconscious brain, is taking all of this in all the time. And you can consciously take it in and be aware of it and use it. So, you know, that slight squint in the eyes, maybe somebody that you're asking questions to is beginning to show discomfort as their leg starts moving. Um, You know, leaders should understand really and begin to take in all the information to understand, you know, what is everybody's baseline behavior? Just get a feel for the place. And then when those behaviors change, of course, uh, that's a cue that there's perhaps something you should dig into. Uh, so, much of this comes down to uh, building that sixth sense because everybody has it
1: very very interesting way to uh, position the term sixth sense and how well, what 's the genesis of of what this is now the the answer that you gave and and the the ways that you suggest somebody could figure out what somebody is looking for or are doing or thinking by their nonverbal cues, which is body uh body language and and Correct. those type of things now. Let's let's think about a leader by design, and we're talking about an organizational leader. They may not always be sitting in front of or next to an individual who they are trying to figure out, and they may not be trying to do one at a time. They might be trying to figure out what's the mindset of a group of people or the company as a whole or subgroup, whatever that might be. But all that has to be somehow sensed, made sense of, and then act accordingly so that you are building... A positively reinforcing uh, cycle, if you will, or a feedback loop, which will keep making you better, and as a res- result, you b- build the respect, they follow you, and life is good. How do you how do you take non uh, like two people not present or not working together, not in front of each other, and still be able to develop that sixth sense? Is there something like that even possible?
2: You know, you've hit on a very important topic, and it's this whole notion of remote worker. Uh, people are working remote from one another today, and, uh, you know, people often feel that they don't really, uh, they don't really have a sense of what's going on with an individual who's working remotely because you have only the voice cues. Uh, that means you're missing an awful lot of information that you would be taking in through your eyes and and looking at the surroundings looking at the individuals uh, interactions, so you really don't have all the information and the question comes down to you know, you've you got to get to know the organization if you have a lot of remote people Sanjog you're going to have to get out and meet these people uh, you're going to have to get around and get out of the office because once you meet them you build a different level of trust you'll get to know somewhat their baseline behavior in big organizations you know you're going to know the people well a couple levels under you um, you're not gonna know everybody. <clears throat> you'll you'll notice a lot of people, you meet a lot of people, but you get to know the people, you know, who are a couple layers below you very, very well. And um you can build that uh sixth sense. You can begin to drive remote worker engagement, which is very important as a leader who has remote workers, because you can begin to pay attention with them, build that relationship. Um so I think there's a lot you can do with remote workers, but um ultimately you've got to build trust with the organization because you're going to want to be able to take in as much information as possible. Um, unfortunately, the human factors that drive productivity and innovation, um, all of these things we're talking about are a blind spot because coming out of the industrial era, people were nothing more than interchangeable parts. And today, unfortunately, in many cases, are treated as an expense and not an asset. So leaders are going to have to develop these skills. They're there. They haven't leveraged them, they haven't developed them, but they need to develop that sixth sense. There's no question about it.
1: So in a way, you're saying that we have to first make the best use of our five senses and also spend some time um, with, with these people in order for us to develop that um, sixth sense. Now, this is interesting. We did an exercise yesterday as part of us seeing how to best address this topic, and we created a cluster. A cluster is a form, clustering is a form of exercise, as you know, it's like building mental maps. Mm-hmm. So with people, when we said, what would make someone follow you, lead you, and think that you really are a good leader? That means you provide resources. And these are, I'm, I'm, I'm literally reading off of those balloons that were created. So provide resources. You genuinely care. And you have to show signs of the genuinely care, that you care. Then you make them safe and secure. Make them feel safe and secure. You make things easy for them. To learn and or adapt. You fulfill promises. You make them independent. You can, you, you connect and communicate. You solve their problems, get to know them as an individual and provide direction and vision. Now these are all the different balloons I just, you know, rambled here. And all of these things have to somehow be done with people, whether or not they are present and they should somehow be able to connect these activities or these givings from a leader back to the leader. For, for the cumulative effect for that to, 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 uh, for, for a follower to feel that you are the right leader and that's why I'm gonna follow you and I'm gonna do everything that in my capacity to, to follow your vision that you're laying out. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah,
2: I, totally. There's no question that individuals make a choice on whether or not they want to follow leaders they have. Uh, There are a lot of different factors that will get an individual to follow a leader. You mentioned caring. Uh, Caring is one of the most basic acts, and I believe that is fundamental to being a servant leader. A servant leader sees his job as making the individuals in the environment under him as successful as possible. So if you happen to have a 1,000 people or more working for you, even if you have 20 people working for you, your job remains the same. You've got to create 20 or a 1,000 of the most productive individuals possible. And you're going to care about the environment they work in. You want to create a a, a fun, open environment. Um, You're going to understand that the work is really done by the connectedness of all these people. I always call it the social fabric of IT. Um, that is, in fact, the, the, the means by which work gets done. Um, people are highly connected. They each contribute a piece. Um, I like to look at it oftentimes as if you're a conductor and they're composers and they're all supplying certain notes to the symphony that has to get written. And your job is to make sure that they all play incredibly beautiful music together. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, uh, trust is so fundamental to the entire equation and caring is one of the mechanisms or primary mechanisms that enables individuals to ve- eventually develop trust. And there's a cycle of caring and it's called noticing, feeling, responding. And you notice something about the other individual. Maybe they're looking down because you're familiar with them and their behavior. You notice their expression. Uh, you feel that in, in yourself and you respond and you walk over and say, you know, look, uh, you're looking a little down today. Uh, you know, anything I could do to help you. And the mere fact that you actually responded is going to improve their mood. And we know from the studies of Wharton and other places that that mood will stay up for the rest of the day, greatly increasing productivity. You know, we could talk a lot about this, strategic trust and other things, uh, that make people want to follow you. But it's all about the fact you care and you're a leader that's taking them to a place where they believe is a good outcome.
1: No. Frank, when we look at whatever we are trying to do within an organization, one is that we will have to kind of know them before we lead them. And in order for us to do that, there will be a certain time that we might have to spend with them. When you are coming to a new organization as a leader, does it become a catch-22 or is there a waiting time that only when you get to know them and only when you start working with them incrementally is when they will, then they will see that you care and all those different areas that we just discussed will start following into place.
2: When you arrive in a company, there's an onboarding process as a leader. I've onboarded in many companies. People are going to wait and see if your deeds match your words. You have to have a very clear understanding of who you are as a leader and right up front, you're going to communicate it. I would always come into a place and say, we're going to build a caring organization. And I would explain why, in fact, uh, talent mattered. And all of my actions um, would show that, really, I was there to make them successful as much as possible. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody's a cultural fit. Some people are not. And uh, you really do have to actually help people who aren't a cultural fit move on. That's part of caring about everybody. Um, and building a high-performing culture. But uh, if if your deeds, and people will really respond to not what you say but what you do, because what you do is really really what uh, drives kind of organizational behavior, because people model your behavior as a leader. Um, it comes down to you being authentic and having what you do match what you say, making sure that, in fact, you're building an environment where people do care about one another, where there's trust. Uh, transparency openness people are accepted for who they are and you nurture uh, good talent and uh, enable them to grow and if you do that and uh, you create an environment where people are really collaborative and enjoy coming to work where they're finding meaning in what they do where you're setting high expectations giving them control all these human factors are what really drive ultimately uh, the high-performing culture, and people wanting to follow you because they believe in the environment you're building and the vision you have. And naturally, you've got to have a good strategy, right? This whole notion of strategic trust is vitally important because if you have a fun environment but you really don't have a good strategy, people are not going to want to be part of
1: it. Can this be humanly possible for a leader sitting up there where he or she does not meet every single soul who belongs to that organization on a regular basis to be able to convey that, that you care and you are going to do everything that it takes for every individual to grow to the best potential they have. And that would in turn result in you, you basically becoming the leader, which everybody wants to follow.
2: You, uh, as a leader, you really can't in a large organization personally touch everybody you can communicate with everybody uh... you can have lots of town hall meetings you can be seen uh... there'll be a vibe about who you are throughout the organization uh... if you're a really good leader to be a positive vibe about who you are <clears throat> that in fact does touch everybody so indirectly uh, you really do have an influence on everyone in the organization and what they believe. If you have an exciting strategy and people believe in it, it's going to create a positive vibe. So you will, in fact, influence everybody in the organization. And this is ultimately what makes people want to follow you. I would add on to that that if you really do care about the environment and you're going to build a high-performing culture, you are going to understand that there are subcultures that exist and you're going to make sure those subcultures all align with the vision and the beliefs that you have and that's done by having a behavioral model that everybody embraces and once you do that uh... not only have you touched the people but you've built a culture that uh... is in the image of what you told them was going to exist and out of that people will be excited and will want to follow and they will be part of the organization. Your turnover will go down. Workforce productivity goes up. All the good things start to happen.
1: Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And, uh, Frank, let's look at when we come back is to see what, again, coming back to that special sauce, which is Six Sense, that will can be developed so that you know when to step in and or prod or coax or do nothing at all because while – you will try to do things which will convey the message that you care, but you got to get the job done as a leader and meet some goals that business has brought you for. So in order for you to do it, does a leader demote themselves to be a manager for the time being and still possess that sixth sense, or they can stay where they are and still get the job done? Let's explore this more. Listeners, when we come back, please stay tuned.
0: HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner.
3: Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing.
0: If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's joke All.
1: Welcome back. So, Frank, while it's cool and sexy to save, I'm a leader, so I'm going to lead the troops and be the Pied Piper. However, we were brought in, were paid the, the mega paychecks in order to get certain things done. Can we remain a leader and still be able to figure out a way to step in and prod or coax or do nothing in all, at all and make that um, decision at the level of abstraction uh, that we are at most times as a leader?
2: There is a, uh, there's a transition in everybody's, every leader's life, and the transition is from managing to leading. Uh, managers are involved in the day-to-day. They're overseeing what the individuals are doing. Uh, they're helping managing and push things forward. They've got their hands in the work a bit. Uh, leaders are really above that. They're motivating the people, creating a great talent infrastructure, creating a great strategy, doing an org design that brings out the best in people, creating joint responsibility with the business, doing all the things a leader has to do. And, you know, a leader... Does not jump in and really get their hands into the detail work that the people should be doing. You know, it's to be the equivalent of a conductor of an orchestra jumping down and grabbing the first violin and beginning to play some notes. That means there's no conductor anymore on the podium, and it's it's a disaster if you do that. So, um, you know, as a leader, you build the skills to help people succeed. There are people who end up in the in the wrong roles, and you either help them move to the right role. Or, in fact, you sometimes have to replace them <clears throat> because they may very well have chosen a career that they're not well-suited for. That's a bigger problem. Uh, I think you know people don't really get enough help finding out what they're good at through all those years of school and what their aptitudes and capabilities are and what interests them, and you have to survive. So people do end up in careers they're not well-suited for, and they've got to move on and try to find what they're good at. And uh, that's a very humane thing to do. At the end of the day, leaders do you know, are like conductors and they don't pick up the guitars, and uh, the violins and play them.
1: So typical leadership uh, coaching and or training or academies that are there, they try to say that this coaxing and prodding and or going out there and and doing an intervention is supposed to be job of a manager. Would you (laughs) say that is true given the demanding times that we are in and if if I were to just spend my time in building my team of lieutenants who are essentially managing those different projects, et cetera, then I will not have to come down to that level where I am literally um, uh, on the at the ground level trying to deal with these things. So prodding and coaxing by by design looks like you are not letting people do what they're supposed to do.
2: Yeah, I, I would break it into a little more finely grained view uh, there's two sets of activities as a leader. There are activities that you 're very involved in as a leader that you have your hands in, uh, and you own those, especially as a cio so you 're very involved in the organizational design that is your responsibility. You want to give everybody a voice so people buy into it you want to gather all the input um, there's a way to actually do an uh, organizational design where the organization is engaged but at the end of the day, you own getting that done. You own driving the planning around the talent infrastructure. You should have a workforce plan. You should know where you're going. You own the strategy. Yes, you're going to engage everybody in doing bits and pieces of it, but you own pulling that strategy together and you've got your hands very much in that. You own the governance model. And yes, once again, you want everybody involved in different pieces of that governance model because it's ultimately about collaboration and how decisions get made. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, you're going to set the governance structure up and those governance mechanisms will be run mostly by other people. So uh, all of those things you've got to do. But when it comes to projects and what people are working on day to day under, you know you don't get involved in that. You provide resources that they need, you make sure they understand where they have to go, they have to ultimately control it and get it done. You've got to remove roadblocks. That's very, very, very important. That's about enabling them to be successful. But, you know, you don't jump in and start, you know, getting involved in their detailed design and their coding and everything else. If you do, you're getting pulled down into the muck and mire and you're not leading. You're not doing your job, you know, especially if you have a bigger place.
1: Would you say that in a situation where we have uh, teams who are experiencing problems and you wanted to be that progressive parent who always would jump in at the first sign and go and try to help instead like, like to have them struggle, not, not in a, in a negative way, but in a, in a healthy way, try to figure it out. Would you say if, if, if you did that and you were the leader, would you be seen as someone who wants to remain aloof or would it be because that person who's struggling is, is not, would, would welcome the help? But then they would never grow if we just went at the first sign of them struggling. How would you manage that?
2: First of all, um, you know, I think you want to be able to detect the early warning signs that uh, there is trouble, and it's really not just dates and other things, right, that uh, that are slipping. You know, there's the the famous thing that you know these major programs are green, 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 and then they turn red. So. Obviously, in all those cases, there were very many early warning signs, and much of it comes from having an open and transparent dialogue in uh, in your um, organization, where people begin to surface issues early. If they don't surface issues early, you have a cultural problem. But getting down to now the level of when you detect something is wrong, to what degree do you get involved? Yeah, I think you wanna you wanna get involved, but you wanna help them find the solution. So, uh, you know, I would go in and begin to ask a lot of questions. Uh Have you thought about this? What do you think we should do? Um, you know, there may be things that are in their way that uh, they really just can't solve. You know, you may have a person who's an introvert in a role that really requires an extrovert has to work heavily with the business. Um, and it may be very, very difficult for them to do that. So uh, you've got to find out what the problem is. Sometimes there is an individual not well suited to uh, a particular function and you can move them somewhere else and bring somebody else in who's perhaps got the skills needed to do something um, but no I wouldn't get involved and solve their problem I would have them eventually find a solution if it is something they need to solve
1: how would you in the first place know that the problem is is there or it's about to happen now that's what we're talking as Sixth Sense what's the magic there
2: well some of it is you know, people. It's interesting when you uh, when you have teams of people. Uh, if you ask a lot of questions uh, and you have an open and transparent environment, uh, the truth comes out. And uh, if you notice somebody becoming very uncomfortable with a line of questioning, I'll, I'll keep asking questions, and uh, the truth will in fact come out, and they will tell you. Especially if you don't run a blame-oriented culture, and they feel that you are there to help them. Uh, if you have an environment where they believe you are there to help them be successful, things are going to come out very quickly. If they're in an environment where they're a part, and if that part isn't working well, that part's going to be disposed of, uh, it's not going to come out very quickly. And uh, you really need a sixth sense to see what's going on. Now, I never built an environment uh, where people were parts, so uh, I don't do that. I believe leaders who build environments where people are parts, um, they don't have a sixth sense and uh therefore they're not aware of uh, all of these human factors that drive productivity uh and they're the ones who have green programs that turn red at the end because um they built the wrong environment and uh, ultimately they're accountable
1: interestingly when you you talk about all of these these aspects people who are looking for you to help as I, as i and i come back to that original point they they may not even know or they should not need to know that somebody is there, but they should have that feeling like what we have for God Almighty. I'm a I'm a I'm a believer, so I know the person that that entity exists, and they feel that it is a safe haven, and that gives them the confidence, and that's why they 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 uh, they work towards success and work towards making things happen. Wouldn't that be beautiful? to create that environment? And if yes, if that can be created, what would it take? Because you're not talking to them, but they know that you're there. Well,
2: uh, they know that you're there to help. This is the key difference. Uh, You're not there to find people doing things wrong. You're You're there to help them do things right uh... you're there when things go well to make sure they get the credit you don't take credit for anything even when i had an awful lot to do with the success of what was happening because of the environment i created and everything my people got all the credit and the further i went into the background the better the place would run because they were getting credit they were highly animated they felt motivated they felt good about the place they wanted to come to work they knew if they worked hard they were going to get a reward you know, that level of motivation is critically important. And most importantly then, and this is the answer, uh, is having an environment where they can come to you. If you've got to be finding all the problems all the time, then you've got an environment where, A, they probably don't trust you enough, and, B, they're not comfortable being open and transparent and seeking help. And I always wanted an environment where people could come in and talk to me. And if they came to me with a problem, I would always say, thank you for coming to me with that. And then I would try to help them fix it. And that is the least uh, painful or most you know, pain-free way of running an organization. Uh, people know pro- about problems early on, and if you can have them speak up, you can deal with those early before it's much more difficult to fix.
1: Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, When we come back, Frank, how about uh, exploring leading up? Because today, especially the role of IT is pervasive. You're touching literally every part of the organization. And even your management, executive management, has started looking at this function and the related leaders in a different light. But the way you wanted the rest of the organization to follow – If you could also make that happen with the executive management, then that's a pretty good position to be in and you can create a lot of value for the organization. So that sixth sense, do you think should have a different flavor for the people who you manage or who report to you, who you influence below you in terms of your grade versus what you do with the management? Please stay tuned listeners, we'll be right back and explore.
0: HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud.
3: Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing.
0: HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner.
1: and creating that flavor of Sixth Sense to uh, have such an environment created even where the management would want to follow you and and look up to you. Is that possible? And if yes, then how do we do this?
2: It's not only possible, it's absolutely critical. If you look at how IT is changing, and it's changing very, very rapidly, Uh, this whole notion of everything as a service, and I think everything as a service is an exaggeration. But I think the notion of competitive necessity as a service, which is the things that are core to your business, is not an exaggeration. All of that is moving to the cloud. You've got social, you've got mobile, you've got big data, you've got data scientists and talent analytics. Um, you know, with all of these competitive necessities beginning to move out to the cloud, leaders—you uh, know—the leaders of the corporation really. They may not see all of this. They know a lot of is going on, but in IT as a CIO, you have a purview and an understanding that they don't have. And uh, in order to be credible in the organization, you're going to have to be successful. You're going to have to onboard, and you're going to have to deliver. So um, typically when I come into an organization, the first thing I want to do is stabilize the environment. And this is the credibility-building phase. You're typically there because something wasn't going well. There are jobs where people retire and it's running well. But in many cases, uh, you know, somebody's been let go and they're not happy. So um, you've got to really listen, um, and I think that's one of the five senses uh... you've got to listen and understand what's going on you've got to look at the social dynamic of the organization that sixth sense of really who's got power what are the unsaid things that you need to know all that tacit knowledge you've got to pick that up Um and you've got to establish credibility by stabilizing the environment then optimizing it uh, if you come in and start talking about all of these big strategies that you're going to implement and you're focusing on that and the systems aren't up and aren't working and you've got problems with the vendors uh, you're going to lose credibility immediately, right? People don't want to hear that. They want things to work and run. They need what they need done, done. You've got to get the basics working and working well and then you can move on to putting those strategies in place and if you've built credibility, um you should be able to show what the business value of of uh of these things are and to win over the business. And uh that's that's vitally important and uh, it's based on this credibility and trust.
1: Now, leader, and, and let's take the the example of an IT leader, because we are CIO Talk Radio, so let's talk about that. Sure. Your, your role as a CIO, or I'm talking to all CIOs uh, who may listen to this, or other leaders, is to develop that sixth sense, create that organization where they like to follow the leader, and then start doing right things for the right reasons. So in in short, they could become leaders in their own right, wherever they are in the organization. And given the tenure of you as a leader, if it's just four years or less, when you move on, anyone else comes, they make that path easier so that every person who comes in is not reinventing the wheel. And if... a Say a bad leader comes or somebody who's hired who doesn't have that sixth sense, that that person either is helped by the team. So no, no longer you are the only one responsible, but the rest of the organization can help this leader become the best they can be or they are managed out timely so that we are not pulled back into that same uh, ground state where somebody else will have to now come use their sixth sense to build the organization back up. So one is to say, okay, I'll be great. I will do this great work and and build that organization, but how to make it resilient so that it is there for good?
2: The question is how to to create an organization that outlasts the leaders. Now, this is not just really an IT question, but this is really about uh, corporations and their durability. And that comes down to having a culture. A shared culture that's documented. Most cultures, and I do cultural design work <clears throat> and help companies build high performing cultures, culture is completely misunderstood. Most cultures are a product of default. It is whatever that leader's behavior is, whatever they say, whatever they believe. Even if the people on top have a set of values that they're espousing, oftentimes you'll see that their behavior doesn't match it. Um, More importantly, they don't know and understand what subcultures exist under them because, in many cases, there really aren't the tools and the visibility into the culture. Culture is what makes it enduring. It's a set of shared behaviors that are documented, that everybody embraces, where the organization itself is accountable for enforcing them. These are all high-performing behaviors that lead to collaboration and innovation, and that is how you, A, Make sure people are a cultural fit when you're hiring them. That's B. How you ensure that the culture lasts beyond the leader who is in charge. Um, new people coming on top may very well change or adapt the culture. Hopefully, they do it in a positive way. But if in fact you've got a defined cultural model as a corporation and people need to fit in it, when a CEO comes in, who they are supposed to become and how they're supposed to behave should be defined so they can embrace it. And that way, you don't have that churn and destruction that takes place in many companies today
1: now i as a leader should ideally get some breathing room and after some time i should be building that organization which kind of heals itself as i said resilient and you said even outlasting uh the leader which is awesome now what you just mentioned in terms of that culture how much of that essentially can be insulated from any new person who assumes that leadership role
2: if uh, if the individual that you're hiring is the CIO, and we're talking about CIOs here, uh, they own the culture of that division. And if if, if the culture has not been defined, and there isn't a set of you know behaviors that are expected out of an individual coming in, uh, it's very easy for them to quickly destroy the culture, and it won't be resilient because it's going to take and take its shape after that individual. Now, uh, ideally, if a company has a culture and they want people to be a cultural fit so the culture doesn't change, then they have a means of interviewing people and doing a behavioral interview to ensure that the individual they're hiring is a good cultural fit and he's going to embrace and improve and continue to keep the culture uh, an enduring one. And I think that's the difference. It's whether this is documented, can they hire people who are cultural fit, And do people understand what the culture it is when they come on board? In most cases, culture is not a product of design. So we're talking about, you know, uh, a small percentage of high-performing companies where they have healthy cultures and uh, they hire for fit.
1: Let's come back to the sixth sense. What specific areas where you feel leaders fail or fall short of demonstrating and developing the sixth sense
2: you know it's uh... It, there's a somewhat even deeper question and uh... it relates to the moment in time we're in uh... you know we, we are still living in the shadow of the industrial era where people were nothing more than interchangeable parts we have an educational system that was designed to make people good factory workers people are taught to think but they're not taught to feel um, if people don't have a sixth sense Uh, It's not because, in fact, you know, they really failed in an area. It's because, as a society, it hasn't really been valued. The whole notion of feeling and emotion is is still barely talked about. I mean, Daniel Goleman's book, EQ, came out in uh, 1996. Uh, That is really very, very recent. I think an awful lot of people in leadership have never read it. And, um, you know, we're slowly going to that inflection point where companies are seeking innovation And uh, they're going to begin to value leaders who understand the human factors. If you want to develop a sixth sense, you need to begin to become aware of all of those unseen things going on around you. And people can develop it by, A, beginning to go back to their office after they've been in a meeting and take note of things. You know, did you go to the meeting and are two people who should be working closely together on a project sitting at opposite ends of the table? And is that a pattern? It may just be that they don't get along at all. You know, um, I would go around and try to get a feel for the mood and climate in different parts of the organization, and I would keep note of it. And uh if I found a part of the organization was really feeling a little bit more down and Uninspired and unenergetic, I would uh, tend to walk around and try to find out what was going on and, and, and what the root problem was. I would maintain a social map in my office, uh, which is a way of looking at the strength of relationships. And I not only do that between organizational entities, looking at organizational entities as personality types, where I tried to get an understanding of that social, uh, kind of the social climate, um but in fact i would also for individuals and things begin to understand at least for the ones below me to what degree were they working together and i would try to do things that would create a much more socially cohesive environment over time intervene where i had to if they make it a practice to write down stuff notice it think about it they have a sixth sense it's just undeveloped and they can develop it and they can develop it to be much better they can read books on nonverbal language. Um, what Everybody is Saying by Navarro is a good book. He was a profiler for the FBI. And that goes into really all of these nonverbal cues. And uh, you can read it and try to apply it. So there's things they can do. They should develop them. They can develop them. You're just in a society that hasn't valued that till now.
1: So you're saying there's a fundamental flaw, which is more of a, not a deterrent, but it is not a motivation or organization is not putting emotional or being emotional as one of the performance criteria, which a leader will be measured on. And that's why people who are basically, it's, it's a nature thing. That's, that's part of their nature. They're the ones who are working well and are able to build that sixth sense and are true leaders and rest of them nobody is telling or nobody's motivating them to develop that sixth sense is that what essentially in short you're saying
2: that's exactly right sanjo it's not valued now if you take a look at uh, companies that i think do understand the importance of talent and embrace the human factors um you really begin to see that there's two types of companies there are companies that i think represent the next generation of where corporations are going where talent is highly valued the founder of the uh, world economic forum said talentism is the new capitalism and i believe that uh it was in fact large capital enterprises large capital equipment that were the hallmark of the industrial era uh you could think of automotive in this era it's talent it's the mind and emotion and unlocking that so that you could get the full talent potential of your investment back and um that's the difference and uh, that is the era we're heading into uh you look at the SASs the Googles the WL Gores and others who get it uh these are the companies that build high performing environments and they do a lot of things that really do unlock the human factors of productivity and innovation even if they don't call it that in fact they are and there's a hundred years of research you know, into human factors. There's the burgeoning branch of neuroscience where people are beginning to understand the human equipment a lot better. And the uh, leaders are going to have to become as expert at managing the talent or human infrastructure as they are at managing their computers and networks. If I asked them, tell me about ITIL, you know, the CIO could go on and on about ITIL. If I said, name six human factors, they probably wouldn't be able to do it.
1: Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, When we come back, look at some of the things that, while you are at a leadership level, but then there are other people who are step-up candidates or, or people who aspire to get to the next level. Perhaps this Sixth Sense development could be used to some degree in their current role, but as this is a work in progress for many people, how about taking a head start or giving these people a head start? So what can be done? by people at the top, besides, of course, developing and honing their own sixth sense to get the folks who are almost their successors or people who are identified who are supposed to assume leadership position to start building that sixth sense. What would be a roadmap to doing that? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore.
3: Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world change the way you predict manage and produce outcomes bosch connected manufacturing
0: hp is proud to sponsor this program Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All,
1: welcome back so step up candidates people who aspire to be leaders and maybe they are leaders in their own right but they are not fully cooked in terms of developing their sixth sense what would you go about doing in that regard be at the top
2: in terms of uh helping developing them these people
1: a develop their like sixth six sense? sense
2: yes yeah i would uh, i would coach them i would explain to them that there are all of these human factors that they have to become aware of. I would frankly give them my book to read and uh, explain to them that this book was written so that, in a sense, part of it at least is an operator's manual for the human infrastructure. And they need to think of it that way. There is an operator's manual for the human infrastructure. These are the human factors. There is a culture. They need to understand what culture is. I would explain it to them. You know, culture is the collective programming of the minds of the people. And uh, behavior is the programming language. And you've got to go out and you've got to program this organization. Your behavior matters. And you've got to understand these tools you've been given, right? This talent is a tool. And uh, although many people today operate as if talent is an expense, um, and certainly there are talent expenses and talent assets. I think we can all agree to that. But when this giant wave goes out and the, uh, all of the physical infrastructure and the business systems that people use to run the company, meaning HR, finance, legal matter management, on and on down the line, when all of those move into the cloud, they are going to be left with their core business systems and the talent expenses. And um, they're going to wake up and say, oh, no, these are assets. And they're going to have to learn to grow assets. That means they're going to have to learn the human factors. They're going to have to learn to build a high-performing culture. They're going to have to learn workforce planning. They're going to have to think more strategically. They're going to have to still, by the way, manage expenses and do all the things they do today. They're going to have to manage the vendors that are running a lot of these pieces of the infrastructure that are competitive necessity. I'm not suggesting those go away. They don't. You have to do those. You're running a business. But at the end of the day, the competitive advantage is going to come from those business systems and the talent infrastructure. And if you don't know how to build a high-performing talent infrastructure, you're not going to make it. You are going to be the legacy leader that gets washed out with the legacy infrastructure. And as you're babbling about ITIL and and uptimes and everything else, You know, the chief digital office and others will be eating your lunch because they'll be sitting there at the table talking about all the things that matters, the strategy and what we need to do and the talent and how we're going to get talent in here who knows how to really do mobile and social and everything else. And I think CIOs have to wake up. Companies are looking for strategic CIOs. They're looking for people who could build the workplace of tomorrow and they've got to stop focusing on the workplace of today. You've got to have that down, nailed down, running well, stabilized, optimized, but you better be building the workplace of tomorrow and shedding those things that are competitive necessity.
1: With multiple generations coexisting today, and that Sixth Sense development, of course, is, it seems like that it will be key for any leaders who are going to be looking to be successful and be valued in an organization. Would you see the DNAs of how we had the baby boomers versus Gen X versus Gen Y, any, any any difference among those or any different techniques to get them to where they can best be in terms of sixth sense development?
2: You know, I think the baby boomers have really the least sixth sense of anybody. And I think that the millennials that are coming up probably have the most. Uh, they're more socially aware. They've been dealing with social environments. People say, in fact, oh, look, they're you know they're always instant messaging on tools they don't know anybody they actually do care about one another they care probably less about some of the, the, the trappings that go with a job than the quality of the job and the environment that they work in right they want to work on something interesting so the human factors are in fact going to be very motivational for them creating environments where they're given control which is a very well-known human factor documented since the nineteen fifties um and that's why in fact if you give people like a day a week to go off and work on things that they find interesting when they're given that level of control and they can pursue interest which means it's tied to their aptitude and they're more likely to be you know, emotionally connected to it great things begin to happen and i think the millennials tie into that environment very very well they want to be appreciated you know it's not just a the job they want to do something interesting which means it matches their aptitude you've got to set high expectations for them you know, the Gen Xers are kind of in the middle, right? You've got ones that are close to the boom in 19, you know, born 1965 and after. Boomers are 46 to 64. And then you've got the millennials, uh, the ones who were kind of closer to the millennials. So they're a blend, you know, uh, given that, uh, they're situated, you know, somewhere on this, uh, spectrum. And, uh, that is, that is the environment.
1: One final, uh, give me top three words that people who are leaders, they should be keeping in mind as they go about developing their sixth sense and for the people who they lead.
2: The top three words, I would say the top three words are, be aware of all of the nonverbal cues around you. Nothing could be more important. Most communication is nonverbal because that's how humans as a species evolved over millions of years without speech, and we don't know the exact date speech arose. No one knows. It was very late in the evolution. So become aware of that. I think that's actually vitally important. Um, Secondly, you know, strategic trust is critical for leaders, and you build strategic trust by having a very clear strategy that is going to lead the organization to a good place. And the sixth sense is, kind of knowing how all of these different trends in IT are going to shake out and knowing, in fact, that you're going to lead them into an environment where you get the fact that talent matters and you're going to build an innovative organization and a high-performing culture and you're going to basically say that it matters. Lastly, I would say caring. Nothing is more important than caring about the people. It's fundamental to human existence. We're social animals. We exist on this planet because we weren't the fiercest, the fastest, but we were social animals that cohesively could survive in a tough environment. So care about the people, show you care, nurture them, become the servant leader. That's going to set you apart from the others and more or less ensure that as the tide goes out, you're one of the survivors.
1: On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Frank, for sharing your thoughts on how we can help develop the Sixth Sense for Leadership.
2: Thank you very much. Great show. Uh, super topic. I loved it.
1: Listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless.
0: Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio.